Chapter thirty five of Saint Bonaventure's Life of Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ by Saint Bonaventure. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty five Our Lord's Flight When They Would Have Made Him King and Against Worldly Honours in General. When our Lord had fed the multitude, as mentioned in the preceding chapter, they sought to make him king. For they considered that he was capable of supplying their wants, and therefore they wisely concluded that they could not be in want of anything under such a king. But our Lord Jesus, knowing their design, fled imperceptibly from them to the mountains, so that they could not find him. Christ, then, would not accept temporal honors, and observe how truly and unfeignedly he labors to shun them. He sends his disciples by sea, and goes himself up to the mountains, that, if they should persist in searching for him, as they would probably do by following his disciples, they might look for him in vain among them. The disciples, indeed, would not have left our Lord, but that he compelled them to do so. It was undoubtedly a pious disposition in them to desire to remain with Christ, but more pious yet to leave him for a time out of obedience to his will. Observe then, and meditate with what inward regret they depart from him, but not till he urges them to it by signifying it to be his divine pleasure, after which they comply and to show their humility and entire submission to his commands, go on board the vessel without him, however perilous and grievous it be to them. Thus does Christ act daily with us in a spiritual manner. By our own good will, we would never have Christ absent from us. But his pleasure is otherwise. He comes into our souls and is absent at times, when he pleases, but always for our good. Hear what St. Bernard says upon this subject. After the divine spouse has been sought for with continued vigils and prayers and copious floods of tears, when he seems to be within reach of his pursuing spouse, he again escapes, and again coming up to his weeping pursuer, suffers himself to be taken but not retained, flying as it were from her arms in the very minute when she embraces him. Yet if the faithful soul devoutly persists in her pursuit of him with prayers and tears, he will again at length return to her and not disappoint her of the wish of her lips. Psalm 20 But again will he disappear and remain unseen till again he be sought after with the whole affection. Thus, while the soul is confined to this mortal body, it has frequently the joy of its spouse's presence. But that joy is not complete, since, though his visitations rejoice her frequently, the frequent vicissitudes of absence give her equal pain. And this the beloved must endure, till, having thrown off her corporal burden, she shall be able to fly, raised on the pinions of her wishes, wafted over the plains of contemplation 
and rapidly following her heavenly spouse whithersoever he goes neither shall every soul attain to this but such only as by extraordinary devotion vehement desire and tender affection proves herself a true spouse of christ and worthy that taking upon him the form of a spouse he should visit her in the nuptial ornaments of his grace and elsewhere the same saint says perhaps he therefore withdrew himself that he might be recalled the more earnestly and the more ardently retained for thus he once feigned to be going farther not that he intended to do so much as to be invited to stay with that tender solicitation stay with us for it is growing late in the evening luke chapter twenty four and immediately he adds this kind of pious feint or rather salutary dispensation of providence which the incorporal word corporally expressed to the body the spirit frequently in a manner peculiar to itself makes use of to exercise a truly devout soul passing by he means to be stopped going away he is willing to be recalled his departure is a dispensation of providence his return is ever the purpose of his will and both are the effects of infinite wisdom the great ends of which he alone can fathom experience shows that the soul is frequently exercised with these vicissitudes of the absence and presence of the divine word and he himself spoke as much i go and i return to you john chapter fourteen and likewise a little while you shall not see me and again a little while and you shall see me Ibidem. oh the little while and no little while oh the short space and tediously long duration beloved lord do you call it a little while when we are not to see you with humblest submission to your sacred words o lord it is a long a tediously long and heavy age to lose sight of you but for an instant yet both are true in different sense an age of your absence is but a little while if our merit only be considered but if compared to our wishes every moment is a tedious age this the prophet hints at saying if he should delay wait for him because he will come and not tarry habakkuk chapter eleven how will he not tarry if he should delay coming unless it be that his coming will be expeditious with respect to our deserts though slow with regard to our desires now the amorous soul is wafted by desire and drawn on by affection overlooks its merits shuts its eyes to dazzling majesty opens them to spiritual joy fixes its hope in salvation and in that confidently proceeds made intrepid at length by hope she boldly recalls the divine word and confidently invites the object of her delight calling him with unusual liberty not her lord but her beloved spouse 
return my beloved return canticle of canticles chapter one and in another place the same saint says god never ceases to exercise with such vicissitudes those who lead a spiritual life or rather those whom he intends to lift to spirituality visiting them betimes and early proving them thus far saint bernard you have seen then gentle reader how our lord jesus alternately visits the soul and departs from it in a spiritual sense and how the soul ought to behave under either circumstance she must earnestly and fervently solicit his return yet patiently bear his absence after the example of his disciples who out of obedience enter the vessel without him and bear up against the storms that threaten with hopes of his succor to deliver them but now let us return to our lord jesus when the disciples had put off to sea he went up alone to the mountains and thus escaped the hands of them who sought him you see with what care and study our lord fled from the honour of a worldly crown and what did he this for but to set an example for you to follow his flight then was not so much for his own sake as for ours for he well knew what rashness the ambition of worldly honours must hurry us into for such honours are the greatest snare that can be laid to entangle us and the strongest battery that can be planted for the subversion of our souls whether it consists in the possession of power ecclesiastic or secular of authority or learning for it is almost impossible for men to delight in honours without standing in imminent danger and tottering as it were on the brink of a steep precipice nay rather should i say without already rolling down and that for many reasons first because the mind that is once delighted with honours is wholly engrossed by them and thinks of nothing but preserving and improving them and saint gregory in his thirtieth homily observes that every one is so much the more alienated from the love of the supreme being as he is delighted with inferior objects secondly because he is quite taken up with procuring a multitude of friends acquaintances and correspondents by whose means and assistance he may add to his honours and consequently must comply with many things incompatible with conscience and god's pleasure out of mere complaisance to them from whose friendship he expects such advantages thirdly he envies those who are possessed of the honours he covets and generally detracts from their merit and thus falls into envy and scandal fourthly he thinks himself and would have others esteem him worthy of honours and thus becomes vain and arrogant when according to the apostle he who thinks himself something when he is really nothing deceives himself galatians chapter six and therefore christ says when you have done all things well say we are useless servants 
luke chapter seventeen but when does an ambitious man say this fifthly he walks not according to the spirit but according to the flesh and has not his heart raised and united to heaven but leaves it loose and dissipated with a variety of earthly objects and sixthly when once a man suffers in himself a relish of ambition for honours he is so allured by them as never to be satiated but daily hankering after new ones the more he obtains the more he desires to obtain because he vainly conceits himself to be as honourable and worthy in the esteem of others as he is in his own thus does he deliver himself up a prey to ambition the worst of vices and the mother of many but to convince you of the malice of this vice let saint bernard speak for me ambition says he is a subtle evil a secret poison a hidden pestilence the author of all guile the mother of all hypocrisy the monster-getting parent of rancor the moth of all virtues the cancer-worm of sanctity the hardener of hearts creating diseases from their cures engendering sickness from medicines and destroying all whom it basely supplants as a concealed enemy undermines a city to involve its inhabitants in its ruins and what nourishes this dangerous vermin but the dissipation of the mind and the forgetfulness of truth and what discovers this lurking traitor and unkennels this worker of darkness but the light of truth such is that truth which says what does it avail a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul matthew chapter sixteen and again the powerful shall suffer powerful torments wisdom chapter six it is this same truth that makes a man reflect how trivial is the comfort in ambition grievous the judgment attending it how brief its enjoyment and how obscure its end and therefore the third temptation which satan tried our lord with was ambition when he proffered him all the kingdoms of the earth if he would fall down and adore him you see then that ambition is the worship of the devil for which he promises his adorers in recompense to lead them to worldly honours and glory in another place the saint says we are fond indeed of rising and covet to be exalted for we are by nature noble creatures and of a certain greatness of soul and therefore it is natural in us to wish to be elevated yet woe to us if we follow him who says i will sit on the mount of the testament in the skirts of the north isaiah chapter fourteen o wretch in the skirts of the north that is too frigid a mount however you may covet power and eminence we will not follow you thither yet how many to this very day follow your foul and fatal steps nay how few escape being enslaved by the lust of power o oh, unhappy creatures whom do you thus follow 
who is your guide is not this the mount to which the angel ascended and fell a devil are you not aware that after his fall tortured with envy and wickedly anxious to supplant mankind he showed them a like eminence telling them you shall be like gods knowing good and evil genesis chapter three and a little after the saint adds such the power of ambition that it can rob an angel of angelic felicity so the ambition of knowledge stripped man of the glory of immortality if a man try to ascend the steps of power how many opponents think you will he meet with how many repulses and how difficult a road will he find and suppose he should attain the summit of his wishes what has he gained the powerful shall be powerfully tormented wisdom chapter six so that it is needless to enter into a detail at present of the solicitudes and anxieties which power produces one ambitious of useless knowledge what labor must he not go through what anxiety of spirit and still shall hear though thy burst thyself thou shalt not overtake it his heart shall be bathed in bitterness as often as he sees one whom he thinks himself inferior to or fancies that others do what if he swells himself with conceit i will destroy says the lord the wisdom of the wise and reprove the prudence of the prudent first corinthians chapter one but i shall say no more as you have seen i fancy how much the height of ambition and the thirst of knowledge and power is to be shunned by such as are anyways terrified at the fall of one angel and the ruin of man mountains of jelboe neither snow nor rain shall fall upon you yet what shall we do it behooves us to ascend we are born and imbibed with a desire of elevation who then shall teach us a salutary ascent who but he who tells us that he who is descended he likewise is ascended it is to him we are to apply to learn the right ascent that we may not follow the footsteps of that evil guide or rather seducer for seeing that no one ascended he the most high descended and by his descent secured to us an easy and safe ascent he descended from the mount of power in suffering himself to be encircled with the infirmities of the flesh he descended from the mount of science in the simplicity of his preaching to save all such as should sincerely believe in reality what can seem weaker than the little tender body and limbs of an infant what more void of science than a child who less powerful than one whose limbs are nailed to a tree and whose very bones are enumerated and who would be thought less wise than one who should voluntarily part with his life and make satisfaction for damages he had not committed 
thus you see how much he who descended lessened and lowered himself beneath worldly power and wisdom nor could he ascend higher than he did in charity and goodness but where is the wonder that christ should climb by descending when we have seen men and angels precipitated by attempting to rise the same saint elsewhere says oh the perverse ambition of the sons of adam though it be a laborious task to ascend and an easy matter to descend they climb with levity and descend with difficulty prone to honors and even to ecclesiastical dignities a weight too formidable for the very strength of an angel but to follow you dear jesus no one is ready and few can be dragged much less led by your precepts thus far st bernard from what has been said you may gather gentle reader how much it behooves you to fly worldly and false honour and how certain it is that true honour is to be attained only by humility but if some should flatter themselves with the specious but vain pretext that their love and ambition for learning and honours are but for rendering themselves more serviceable to their neighbours in the affairs of their salvation st bernard will answer them oh that they who have thus ambitiously seized those honours would but use them with a fidelity equal to the confidence with which they thrust themselves into them but i wish it may not prove impracticable to gather the sweet fruits of charity from the bitter plant of ambition now to have that thorough contempt for honours which they really deserve requires more than an ordinary share of the sublimest virtue st john chrysostom observes to be in the midst of honours and make a right use of them is like a man conversing with a very beautiful young creature and making a law to himself never to cast a loose look on her a man therefore undoubtedly stands in need of the greatest fortitude of mind to make a proper and none but a proper use of the power and honours conferred upon him End of chapter 35